I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here of The Dave Kittle Show, and today's episode is how to sell your physical therapy practice for above market value and the four missing links. So I'm a physical therapist, I'm a practice owner, and I own concierge pain relief, home physical therapy in New York City, and I'm the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group, and we're currently acquiring practices in the New York and New Jersey area. So we are buying physical therapy practices, and if we could wave a magic wand and find great practices who are in a great position, then we will pay top dollar or max value. And if not us, certainly other buyers, other regional buyers or corporates, they will certainly have to pay top dollar if that isn't true what it's valued. So if your practice is in a great position financially and it's stable, you know, what would be a great position? What would be a great position to be in? A great position would be a financial position, the financial performance of the practice and a team who is happy doing this, a front desk staff that's happy, a clinical team that's happy and satisfied in their work. That's a great position to be in. So buyers care like us. Buyers care about decreasing or lowering risk. So how do you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, how do you demonstrate less risk to potential buyers? If you can demonstrate less risk, they will be more likely to pay you top dollar or max value or whatever your asking price is, whatever number that you believe it is worth, or maybe it was assessed independently, maybe you haven't had an independent business assessment or valuation of your business, of your therapy practice. Number one, we're going to go over the four missing links. Number one, on how to sell your physical therapy, PTOT, your healthcare business, your healthcare practice, how to sell it for top dollar. There's four missing links. Number one, it all comes down to cash flow. Number one is optimizing your cash flow. So one thing, minimizing outstanding AR, minimizing outstanding accounts receivable. What that does, as you know, because if you're watching this, if you're a therapy practice owner, you know that if you're improving your cash flow, there's more dollars coming into your bank account sooner rather than later. That would be one way or one focus as to how to improve cash flow that a buyer can look at and assess your books and assess your bank statements and all that and understand that it's actually safer to buy some or all of your practice if you have minimal outstanding AR. So that would be a small number on the 90-day AR mark, the 120-day outstanding accounts receivable. The lower that number, the more value that buyer sees in your practice. You probably already know that. Number one factor to sell your practice for top dollar is this. It is cash flow. Maybe the second factor is your overall practice's scale and efficiency. So depending on your scale and efficiency, meaning number of locations, number of staff, but ultimately the size of the cash flow and the efficiency of your practice, the financial status of your business. Now, the financial status of your business, there's really three levers. And number one, revenue per visit. Now, 
if you're in network, 100% in network, then obviously it's whatever is the average of your in network insurance contracts, including with or without the copays that your patients are paying. But revenue per visit, what is the total revenue of insurance reimbursement plus copays and coinsurances or whatever deductible payments, whatever it might be? Revenue per visit. Number two, cost per visit. How much it costs for you to deliver a plan of care? So all of your overhead, your rent, utilities, your payroll, your marketing spend, like all of that, all of your expenditures, what is the cost per visit? And then three, the number of visits, the total number of visits on a monthly basis, on a annual yearly basis. Those three levers are basically what makes up a the performance of a practice in terms of the, the financial levers that a practice owner could change. Revenue per visit, how much is coming in per visit? The cost per visit, how much it takes for you, the owner, to carry out those visits and the total number of visits. So you don't necessarily control the value of your practice, but you certainly do control these financial levers. All right, so that's number one. Number one of the four missing links, number one is financial. Now, I know we're we're helping patients, we're helping clients, we're treating them, we're getting them better. We're helping them with back pain, neck pain, sciatica, knee pain, shoulder pain, other injuries, sports injuries, balance. We're helping people return to normal function so that they can work and live and you know go do the things that they want to do. And that's great and all. And, and that's what we got into this profession for. However, the most important thing is the cash flow of your practice. Because if you don't have optimal cash flow, if you have really, really tight margins or very significantly high outstanding accounts receivable, then you might miss payroll. We've spoken to some owners where they've had to draw on a line of credit just to pay payroll. And that is a very scary situation to be in. And if you continue to behave or or conduct operations in that way, then what could happen is you might miss payroll. Maybe then some therapists start leaving or front desk people start leaving your practice because they are scared that they won't be paid or compensated for what they're doing, or you miss a rent payment or or some, some other issues might happen. So ultimately it comes down to the financial performance of the practice. Number one, optimizing your cash flow. Number two, as per, this is from us, the Fieldmaker Group, what we're looking for with practices and owners are these types of things. So number one, the financial motive must prevail. The financial component is really, really important. And the next three we're going to go into, of course, we're going to cover staff and we're going to cover you, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, in terms of your transitional plan, all that. But number two, getting closer to your actual customer, getting closer to your actual patient or client, getting closer to your patients, not just the referral sources, not just the physicians or home health companies that might be referring to you or social workers or hospitals. And and as we know, as there's more acquisitions and there's more ACOs, that there's actually more of those referrals staying in those hospital system networks and less referrals coming to you as the independent therapy practice, as the independent therapy owner. So getting closer to your actual customer, how do we do that? A couple of ways, direct access, which is letting them know, letting the community know, and if, or if they call up, that they don't necessarily, for most states, and maybe there's there's different defined, some states it's 10 visits or 30 days until you might need a referral or prescription. But most patients across the country, in most states, including even Texas now, there are better direct access laws. So people can just call. They can just call with back pain. They can just call you and say, hey, I would like to schedule an appointment for next week or what is your soonest availability? And you know, here's my insurance. Or if you don't take this insurance, you know, how much does it cost or whatever? We have to get closer to our actual customers, our actual patients and clients, the people we want to serve. One way to do that is through traditional direct access. Number two, a little bit more of a a marketing approach. 
marketing direct to consumer. So direct response marketing. So wording your website and your online social verbiage to attract folks to come directly to you, to call you, to write in to your website, to ask a question about their condition, ask a question about how you might evaluate and look at their condition, what actually would occur during that first visit, evaluating their condition and then treating their condition or evaluating their condition and setting up a game plan of two visits or two weeks or two months or whatever it might be to help these folks in our communities. We have to market direct to consumer the practices that we're looking at to potentially acquire the ones that are marketing direct to consumer or they're very close to their actual patient and client, meaning they send them emails, they send them brochures and and reminders through the mail. They either communicate with them over text or email, either manually or automatically with a system with some software or tool or app, or they're sending them reminders through the mail, like little brochures, little paper mailers to reactivate those folks. Maybe you reactivate people January 1st when the new year starts. Maybe you reactivate people in October, November, December when they might have already hit their deductible and they might still have they might still have benefits or visits available that calendar year that they could use up that they'll eventually lose. Uh, and it restarts on January 1st. So there's a lot of different ways that those practices can do that. And you guys might already be doing that. Now, the practices that we're speaking with, the ones that are doing this already, we're going to be able to pay, we will want to pay and have to pay more, meaning max value or top dollar, as opposed to the practices that are not doing this. So because if you're not doing this, then we're not going to reward you if you're not doing things like this. And then therefore, this would be one thing that we would do if we acquired your practice today. And then in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, et cetera, we would be doing some of these efforts. We would be doing some of these marketing efforts, which take time and money. And we're not going to pay you extra top value and max dollar if you're not doing a lot of these things that should be done. So if you're thinking about selling your practice in the next you know, two, three, four, five years, Here's some things, like I said, marketing direct to consumer. You might need to speak with someone who builds websites or or someone that has that does copywriting where they can word your website better, your social media posts better, so that it makes or it allows the community to see your website and want to take an action. The action could be downloading an ebook, it could be writing in a question, filling out a, a lead form, filling out some digital form about their situation asking for more information. Maybe you're putting out YouTube videos, you're putting out content, you're putting out things online that resonate with your consumer, resonate with your healthcare consumer, your patient, your client. The more that we can do that, the more that we can drive people away from the medical model, which is usually more invasive and pain meds and and other opioids and other drugs or, you know, injections that like don't always work or risky surgeries, we need to direct our community and our our folks in our area. We want to direct those folks to us because we're conservative. It, our whole physical therapy, our whole therapy and our niche in healthcare is, is conservative. So we can actually do it for less money out of pocket for them without them having downtime of six months for a rotator cuff repair, rehab, or or months with a total knee replacement or whatever. We can actually help them conservatively and the folks that we can reach that way, then they're more likely to then be so happy that they're going to tell their friends and family and neighbors about us. And then they will want to refer more folks to us. So then it would be like an evergreen type cycle. So number three of the four missing links, number three, flexible transition plan. So Mr. And Mrs. Owner, when you're thinking about exiting, 
every owner is different. We interviewed Jamie Schreier on the podcast here uh, in the past month or so. He was able to sell his two clinics and he wanted to get out right away. Now, he already had clinical staff directors. He had a an executive team. He had a team already built and he was basically, he was not even treating patients. He was not in the medical record. He was totally an owner operator, but he was more like an investor at that point, meaning he was not really doing anything in the day-to-day. He had other people that were leading the weekly meetings, the monthly or quarterly meetings. He had a whole team that he had set up for that. So if you don't have some of those things in place, you will need a flexible transition plan, meaning something that stabilizes morale. It takes into account your team's culture, any of their fears, their fears or doubts or uncertainty of a new boss or new owner. And if you don't have a practice that is operating without you, then I would highly, highly suggest that you consider being flexible in the transition plan. So meaning a buyer like us might come along and say, okay, well, if you're treating patients still, so Mr. And Mrs. Owner, if you are still treating patients one or two days a week, you're still in the medical record, you're still rendering services and producing revenue in the practice as a as a clinician, as a, as a staff therapist, even if it's one or two days, you're still producing revenue. So if we acquire your practice, we're going to have to replace that income, that revenue in the next six months or the next 12 months. Like We have to replace that. Otherwise, we can't pay you extra. We can't necessarily pay you max value or top dollar versus the Jamie Schreier type situation where he was already out of the practice. The patients didn't even, you know, the new patients didn't even know who owned the practice. They didn't even know who Jamie Schreier was at that point, right? So he was actually able to get out of that practice and not stay for months after the transition. He didn't have to stay months after the close of the transaction. Another group bought his practice and he was gone. Like, the next day or or the next week or so. And he didn't want to stick around for a flexible transition plan because he already had a team built clinical director, front desk manager of two locations. And he said a leadership team. So he had, you know, a team of like one or more executives that were already managing the whole practice. And you have to go listen to that episode because his income, the whole income and the profits of his practice actually grew when he got out of the day-to-day and he got out of doing the meetings and all that. So you have to go check that episode out. But if you, your practice, if it is not like that, if you are still going in to the day-to-day and you're still in the mix there, then you're going to have to be flexible in your transition plan. For example, a buyer like us or a regional or national buyer or some other PT owner group or something like that, if they come and acquire your practice, they may say to you that they need you to stick around for one year after the transition. So there'll be two agreements. One agreement would be, here's the price in terms of the deal of us acquiring your practice. A second agreement, which would be your employment agreement where we're going to pay you X amount of dollars per hour or per patient visit or whatever, or a salary, W-2, whatever, where you come in and you do X amount of roles like tree patients, you know, runs, you know, staff meetings, we do, you know, in person or, or digital staff meetings together, meaning us, the new buyers with that owner who's helping with the transition. It depends on the financial performance of the practice. It depends on the team. But in some situations, depending on the team, and you know, your team the best, you know, your clinical directors and your staff physical therapists and your front desk team the best. So you will also know that you'll need to maybe be there for three months, six months, maybe 12 months. And in some cases, it could be multiple years. We've heard of other buyers and other practice owners that we've spoken with. Some of the buyers are requesting that the owner stay for 
two or three years after the transition. And that would be usually where a practice has either subpar financial performance or more of the practices wrapped around that owner versus the Jamie Schreier example where he was able to get out right away because he was already kind of like just owning the practice, but not really operating it, if that makes sense. So that was number three of the four missing links. Number three was a flexible transition plan. And number four, of course, last but not least, the fourth missing link is your staff. Very, very important because a buyer like us or any other regional or national buyer, they're not just buying the recent financial performance of your practice. We will significantly look at the trailing 12 months, the most recent 12 months, And we're not necessarily buying the next 12 months or the next 24 months. We're not necessarily paying for projections because that's time and effort that we have to put in. But we are significantly investing in the current staff, the morale. So what is the morale? What is their performance? What is their clinical performance? Are they getting outcomes? Are they getting patients to refer their friends and family and their neighbors to the practice? Are they getting their are they getting their patients? Are they wowing their patients so much? that they're writing Google reviews and Yelp reviews and sending notes and, and giving, you know, thank you cards at the end of their discharge or at the end of their plan of care, you know, are the patients bringing in cakes and, you know, goodies and little thank you notes and, you know, lunches or whatever, because of their happiness in their practice, the happiness that the patient, the end consumer, the patient client is having in your practice And what is the culture? What is the culture? Like we said, morale, what is the culture? So all these things is very, very important when a buyer like us, we want to know the staff. We want to understand how long has the staff been there? Of course, what is the the productivity of the staff? Those types of things are important because we want to be able to kind of see how will they interact with us? How will they perform moving forward? We're not just buying the book of business, the past patient list, the insurance contracts. We're acquiring the team as well. Because hiring a new team members takes a lot of time and money. So if a buyer acquires some or all of your practice and some of your staff, your treating clinicians leave, I mean, that's dangerous. And that's that's a very that's a very challenging situation. So then the buyer, the new buyer is taking over. They're trying to integrate themselves into the practice, try not to cause too many waves or ruffles in how the practice operates. But at the same time, if some folks leave, now it's like, oh my gosh, we got to like, start running LinkedIn ads and and ads on Indeed and elsewhere because hiring new team members is going to take time and money. And in some cases, many practice owners and, and business coaches, they say that hiring new talent could take 10 to 12 weeks. I mean, now things are very different where more people want to work from home and and all that and people want flexibility. And, and it's like kind of different now kind of post-COVID and, and the tail end of COVID. So it's going to take 10, 12 or more weeks to hire new therapists or hire new staff, all right? So those, as a recap, that was the four missing links. Number one, optimizing your cash flow, the financial motive. Number two, getting closer to your actual customer, your actual patients and clients, rather than just the referral sources. Number three, flexible transition plan. That certainly depends on you, the the practice's performance, but a flexible transition plan. Number four, your staff, your team, in some cases, your family, but it's the morale, the performance of the, the team, the staff the culture, are they happy if they're not happy and a potential buyer hears that before acquiring your practice, they will probably say no and pass and 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 not, not take over your practice, not buy your practice. So then in terms of staff, let me just interject real quick. Buyers like us, we might be looking at Glassdoor or other online reviews of what your team 
or previous team members have been saying about your practice. So that is really, really important. And if I had to add something else that was kind of a holistic um, number five or like a bonus number five, it comes down to communication. The communication between you and us, between you and prospective buyers, or between your advisor, broker, and the potential buyers, between your advisor and broker and us, potential buyers. Very, very important. Just to recap the other thing, like I said, very important to be close to your, your patient, your consumer. You should already you know, have a defined customer avatar. Now, just my opinion, other buyers, national and regional buyers, they might care more about your you know, your units build per week and units build per therapist or, or things like that. But these are the things we care about. We really, really care about the cash flow of the practice because we can't let margins get too tight. We have to be able to pay salary, pay payroll, pay the staff, pay the rent, pay all the utilities, pay, you know, and then we want to probably invest in marketing and things like that. You know, getting closer to the, the actual consumer, the, the patient, the clients in the community so that they know that they can make a decision about their care, their back pain, their knee pain, their injury, their muscle tightness, their sciatica. And then rather than going to their primary care physician or going to an orthopod or an orthopedist, we want to let the community know that they can actually come right to us. They can write into our website. They can call us. They can contact us at any time. Those things are really, really important. If you put that into action, you could potentially sell for a higher dollar amount and potentially even sell for top dollar or max value, however you're evaluating and, and terming that. Number three, again, as recapping, a flexible transition plan, which certainly depends on your current involvement in the practice. If you are able to travel a lot already and you already have great clinical directors and staff members that are managing your practice from afar and everything's great and it's growing and it's doing well, then your transition plan will probably be on the shorter side. And if you have a practice where you're still treating patients three to five days a week, your transition plan, you might get some dollars uh, down at the close but the buyer will probably need you to stay on and continue treating. And it certainly also depends on, you know, your age and your energy level as the practice owner and how much longer you're looking to treat patients. All of that is, there's so many variables in terms of the transition plan. And that really depends on your situation, it depends on what you want to do in the next six to 12 months. It depends on what you're looking to do in the next three to five years. It depends on the financial strength of the practice, the the profits, it depends on the growth trends or are the trends decreasing? Is revenue overall decreasing? Are the profit margins decreasing or is everything growing? Staff, very, very important. If I had to pick you know, two of the four, I mean, staff and the financial component. So the, the cash flow and the staff, vitally important. If you don't have one, you don't really have the other, um, but you need the cash flow coming in to pay everything to keep the practice going. But also, if you don't have staff, then the cash flow dries up. So staff, very, very important. Of course, it's like your team, your family in some cases, and also the financial component of the practice because it's a practice, but at the end of the day, it is a business. Business is not a bad word. We're serving our communities. We're helping our patients, but we need to pay our expenses. And we need to invest in growth and we need to invest in our team, whether it's investing in continuing education or investing in marketing and Google ads or Facebook ads or investing in some type of a promotions for community marketing, things like that. You need dollars, you need money to actually be able to do that. And so that's where it comes from in, in the cash flow. And then you can actually employ more staff or give your staff bonuses. 
maybe give them raises, et cetera. So that's where the financial component and the staff component are very, very intertwined. Very, very important. Many of you practice owners already know this, but that's it for right now. Let me wrap up. This episode was how to sell your physical therapy practice for above market value, the four missing links. If you find this valuable, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe, especially if you're on YouTube. We're going to be putting out more things in the near future with screen shares and financial statements and other Google Docs and and things where we're looking at spreadsheets and other financials, which will potentially help you sell for top dollar, sell for max value, get what you believe your practice is worth. But you have to subscribe on YouTube so that you get notified of when the new episodes are published. We do have a publishing schedule, but sometimes we might publish out of order or other days. So if you're not notified, it's because you're not subscribed. So go ahead and subscribe. And what I want you to do, if you found this valuable, I want you to just take the link of this YouTube video or this Spotify link or this iTunes link. I want you to take the link and I want you to text it or email it to one colleague, one staff therapist or practice owner that you maybe went to school with, you met at PPS, you know from online, from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram, from LinkedIn, whatever. I want you to just share it with one colleague, one practice owner that would mean the world to me. I appreciate if you do that. Share it with somebody, let them know that you found this valuable and that you're sharing it with them because you think they might find this valuable. That's it for right now on the Dave Kittle Show. We will catch you next time. And that's it. Take care. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.